Welcome to Collision Cast, Fender Bender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Steve Bauer, editor for Fender Bender, and with me today is David Roberts. He's a seasoned transactions professional with more than 15 years experience advising sellers and buyers of middle market companies. During his career, he's represented clients in more than a billion dollars of transactions, consummating multiple mergers, acquisitions, and financing. An investment analyst and executive, his executive experience also includes service as a founder, officer, and director of both public and private companies. Now, one thing that caught my eye, David, is I didn't know this until I first met you, but you actually were one of the co-founders of Caliber Collision, um, which is, as we know, uh, one of the leaders uh, in the the MS or the the uh, collision repair industry. Would you mind taking just a few minutes and giving us a little background on how how all of that came to be and you know what what you learned from that process? I'd be happy to, Steve, and I'm glad to be with you today and to uh, 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 share some of my knowledge about the industry and some of my background with your listeners. Um, I first got involved with the collision repair industry back in 1993, talking with some owners in Southern California who were putting together the equivalent of a, a body shop HMO. And... Uh, I started conversations with them and and a couple of other folks. And in 1997, uh, a, a partner of mine, uh, Matt Ornstein, who very sadly passed away a number of years ago, uh, Matt and I got together and decided that this was an industry that uh, was ripe for consolidation because of the various what I would say, inefficiencies in the insurance side of the business as well as the collision repair side of the business. Um, and we we were peripherally involved in the insurance business, but not particularly in auto insurance uh, repairs. Um, long story short, uh, no good deed goes unpunished, and we decided <laughs> that uh, we'd raise some money and and start building a uh, consolidator, a true integrated provider of collision repair to the insurance industry. And they didn't particularly like it. Hmm. Um, they, they thought that we were just one more group of body shop owners that they didn't particularly trust. Okay. And uh, fast forward uh, 25, almost 25 years, and... Uh, I'm not sure that they necessarily uh, trust us more, but they can't do without us. And uh, it's really been a, a complete transformation in the relationship of collision repairers and insurers. Excellent. You know, and I, I'll say this, you know, you basically have, have written the book on how to change, grow, uh, and thrive in what we know is a very intense competitive industry. I mean, just a few numbers for our listeners out there. Um, with Caliber, uh, David not only helped raise more than $125 million in capital uh, for not only Caliber but other providers, but he also led the acquisition of 37 individual shops and multiple shop operators over nearly 10 years um, at that business. Now, yeah, it's, it's kind of a crazy, but uh, we spent actually almost 10 years going from zero 
to uh, uh, 37 shops and from zero revenues to about $135 million in revenues when Caliber got sold wow. in 2008, the first time. And today they're 10 times larger than that in the number of shops. Talk about and a, more than, more yeah, than yeah. 10 times that in revenue. Talk about a skyrocketing business, huh? <laughs> That's for sure. Well, it's been, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, back then, you know, there were, I think when we started, there were 52,000 body shops. And today, I think there are maybe 32,000. Wow. So it's been, uh, it's been a steady but constant uh, consolidation in the industry. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll just let everyone know, uh, Dave now has his own independent fil- firm called Focus Advisors Automotive. Uh, and he leads a team of six professionals, uh, all of whom have deep experience in strategic advisory and M&A transactions. Um, and it works for entrepreneurs, uh, acquirers, and investors in the entire automotive industry. So with new acquisitions occurring almost every day, I, I go across and I look at um, the Google News advice, you know, the, the pop-ups that you see. And, and it's almost, I, I swear, David, almost every day I, I see an acquisition story pop up. Uh, so to all of you out there, I've asked David to come in and, and just provide a background on, on these consolidators. I mean, where is the trend heading in this industry and the newer businesses that maybe are poised to take the market by storm in the future? So, David, I guess let's start um, at the beginning um, and just kind of have you outline, you know, who are the consolidators right now and, you know, how much have they grown? Let's say, in the, you know, you can give me a time frame just to let people know how much growth has occurred in this industry. Well, let me, let me, uh, let me, uh, first of all, we, uh, our teams here at Focus Advisors, uh, uh, has created a database over the last 10 years where we track every shop in America and most of those in Canada. And so we have pretty detailed information on everybody from the largest to right down to single shops. Um, mm. And as of year end, 2021, Caliber had 1,400 shops. Uh, Gerber had 735, Service King had 334. Those are the big three, and they are the national consolidators. They have, uh, they cover more states, and they cover more uh, uh, cities than anybody else in the industry, with Caliber obviously being twice as large as Gerber, and Gerber being twice as large as Service King. between between those three, they probably have somewhere in the order of I don't know ten billion dollars in revenue, mm. um, and uh, uh, right behind them are what we call the the second tier consolidators who have aspirations of becoming national consolidators, and that's Crash Champions, uh, uh, Classic Collision, and Joe Hudson, and. The, those three providers have uh, a, a somewhat, uh, uh, two of them have come out of what seems like nowhere, whereas the third one, Joe Hudson, has actually been a slow and steady grower for a long time. But uh, Crash Champions 
and Classic Collision each have about 170 shops at the end of the year. And during the year, each of them tripled their total number of shops. Hmm. Joe Hudson grew maybe 10% during the year. Uh, Caliber grew about, you know, 15%. Gerber the same. Service King actually shrank a little bit. But Crash Champions and Classic Collision really... They really put the pedal to the metal in 2021. And uh, behind them are some other, you know, are are two other, what I would call, third-tier but soon-to-be second-tier consolidators. Uh, One of them is Kaizen, uh, which is headquartered in Southern California but grew to 40 stores by year-end. They more than tripled their size during the year. And Collision Right, which had 60 shops by year end, and they more than tripled their number of shops during the year. So if you've been reading about, you know, it seems like another couple shops every day, that's about the rate at which this industry grew during the last year. A couple shops every single day. And do you have any, I mean, why is it accelerating at the pace that it is? who can do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are uh, who've been very successful in the industry uh, are uh, deciding to exit, and when they're deciding to exit, there are plenty of buyers for them. The buyers have access to large amounts of relatively cheap capital. With interest rates close to zero for large borrowers, uh, you know, private equity investors in the in these companies are seeing a chance to get, you know, superior returns by investing in businesses that are going to continue to grow and that are essential for uh, all kinds of, you know, sort of the, the, the transportation industry in the United States, while it's changing, is still a, a miles-driven industry. Uh, and that means when cars drive, they have accidents, and those accidents require repairs. Investors see that, even though the long-term trend may be fewer, fewer accidents and fewer repairs, they see it as a, as a relatively not non-dynamic industry. Just year in and year out, it's going to keep producing revenues and income and uh, a more predictable flow than perhaps other industries. Interesting. So I want to go back to the figure that you uh, pointed out earlier in our discussion, which is an eye-popping one, and that's just how much the market, and I, I would guess when I say market, independent owners has shrunk over the past. How many years did you say that was? Well, that was over a little more than 20 years. Okay, so... Um, over 20 years, we've had that much as far as shrinkage, as far as people getting out of the business and selling their their shops to these, um, you know, these companies. I mean, why do you think, David, that there's so much of an appetite for consolidation right now? Well, beyond the complexity. 
money and the availability of money. Um, I remember that the total shops were fifty-two thousand. The total shops now are thirty-two thousand. So twenty thousand shops either went out of business yeah. or converted to some other kind of operation. Right. And it's really it it really tells the story, which is fewer but better providers for insurance companies. Okay. And it used to be that. You know, when you were bolting on fenders, you know, and you could paint cars, you know, uh, uh, outside or in an empty garage, the the requirements have changed so steadily and and enormously over that period of time that you can't be a casual participant in this industry at all. That's true. You've got to be a pro. Yeah. And there are a lot of folks who decided that that isn't what they want to do or that they don't want to invest in it. And so when they've had these opportunities to exit and perhaps sell their building for something else or go into mechanical or do something entirely different, they've they've taken that opportunity. Many of them have sold, obviously, with all these shops that, you know, that that, uh, are owned by the consolidators. But... um, Increasingly, the calibers and the Gerbers are starting to build their own shops. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it really kind of understates the number of people that have exited and the number of shops that have exited the industry over that period of time. I think the long-term trend is fewer and fewer providers who are better and better equipped, better trained, so that they can repair more and more sophisticated vehicles. Okay. So let's just, let me give you an example. Let's just say I'm a, a shop owner. Uh, I'll give you two examples. Let's say I'm a single shop owner handed down from my father who was handed down from his father. Uh, and I'm, I'm doing fine, making good profits, you know, revenue over a million, everything is fine. And then let's say I'm an MSO. Um, let's say I'm in a bigger metro area and I may have six or seven locations. Uh, the consolidation movement that's happening now, how is that going to affect shop owners like that? Well, first of all, the, the, the first example is about sort of third generation in the business, but a, a single shop, uh, you use the number of a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, we really think that to be viable in almost any market in the country, uh, if, uh, you're going to have to be closer to $2 million. Really? And you're going to have to be reinvesting a lot of that back into the business every year. Okay. Um, that's really tough to do when you're a single shop. Right. And if you, But if you specialize, in, let's say, in a particular vehicle or in restoration work or that you're closely aligned with a dealer, you can do quite well at that level. Right. Can you can you expect to expand your business without getting additional capital? That's going to be really tough. Okay. We were on a call this morning with somebody almost exactly like you described. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the owner is in his 60s. His dad started the business. He's been in it for 40 plus years. His son has been in it for 20 plus years. And they've got a nice three and a half million dollar business. It's making, you know, better than 10% a year. Uh, They got their property all paid for. 
but the son doesn't want to continue. He wants to do something more in tech. Mm. Uh, the dad is ready to retire, and so they've hired us to help them sell that business, and there'll be probably four or five bidders on it, and they'll get a fair price for it, maybe a bit of a premium because they're in a nice market. We also have a number of other clients that are multi-shop operators. Right. Uh, one that we were meeting with last week was a, uh, a, a seven-shop operator that has about uh, $19 million in sales. Uh, they are looking for more opportunities uh, to buy. Uh, they have an excellent internal technician development plan and even though they're really constrained on techs they think they have enough coming through the pipeline that they'll be able to continue growing um, they have a particular approach to the market uh, they're in more uh, I wouldn't say rural markets but they're in smaller cities as opposed to the biggest cities and they're going to continue to thrive what's interesting is they're growing to sell their business they know that they're making good money. They know they're going to keep on growing. But, you know, the owner of that business is in his early 60s. He's been in the business for 25 years. His children are in the business, but they are not interested in running a, a, a large MSO. Gotcha. Well, let me ask you this. So if they're looking long-term, they know that they're going to want to sell um, from the opposite side, if you're a consolidator, does that put a target on an MSO's back, knowing that they're still continuing to try to expand? Does that does that speed up the process, so to speak? Uh, if you continue to you know grow you know grow your business as opposed to you know that single shop owner who really, like you said, the, the father's not interested, the son wants to get out of it. But what if you're an MSO and they see you actually? continuing to grow your business is that make you more of a target or like in this case was this a calculated i wouldn't even call it a risk that they took knowing that they maybe they could make more money you know at, at the end you know if they were to be able to continue to grow it it'll just be more attractive to these other businesses i think it's the latter is that they're going to do quite well as they're growing although they are going to continue to uh, plow at least half of their profits every year back into growing the business and improving of their training and certifications, etc. But they know that they'll either make a lot of money for themselves or they'll eventually sell out to one of the one of the uh, national or you know regional consolidators. Okay. You know, if you if you want to look ten years down the road, they're going to be. Uh, it's not going to be sort of a Home Depot and Lowe's. It's not going to be just Caliber and Gerber out there. Right. There are going to be multiple, you know, billion-dollar companies that are thriving in this industry, and they are going to keep buying everything from single shops to multi-shop operators to opening their own brownfield and greenfield shops. Sure. Um, it's, you know, this is a very large industry, and... Consolidation is going to go along, you know, go for a long time. And people that are, you know, uh, people who are, are growing, uh, don't, they're not being forced to sell in any way, but 
they may decide that they want to sell. And when the time's right for them and the market's right for them, then many of them will. Hmm. Others may turn into billion-dollar operators. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, one question I did want to ask you is, can you give me a little bit of background on some of the PE firms that are entering the industry right now? Well, it's kind of interesting. Um, if you're uh, if you're following this, you know there there are these three uh, uh, sorry, three second tier consolidators and a couple of third tier consolidators, and they're all private equity backed. Yeah. Um, Crest Champions, which tripled its size, is backed by uh, AMM, which is a Chicago-based private equity firm. Classic Collision is backed by New Mountain Capital, uh, which is a uh, you know fifteen billion dollar plus private equity firm. Joe Hudson is uh, backed by a company uh, TCG Consumer which is a large private equity firm based in San Francisco. Um, and then uh, Kaizen is backed by a small private equity firm out of D.C., and Collision Right is backed by a, a medium-sized private equity firm out of Texas. Okay. <clears throat> They've all invested because they see rapid growth and they see ways to deploy capital effectively and make, a, make an outsized return. Gotcha. Okay. There, there will there will be others, <clears throat> and I think that uh, uh, when you look at you know at when you look at the development of these fast growing companies, they sometimes bring in other uh, private equity firms as well. Right. Now speaking of private equity, let's circle back to we, we you know we mentioned briefly Service King. Now, I, I believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong, are, they were, at least at one point, backed by two private equity firms, correct? They still are. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but, they're, but they also raised some, uh, uh, they sold bonds, and so they have some bond investors, and they have a very large uh, bank term loan. So can you give me, uh, you know, just a bird's eye view of what exactly – I, I had an opportunity to speak with David Cush, the CEO of Service King, and you know they brought in a new CFO, and and right now you know their goal number one is to get more capital. Of course, you can't you can't grow unless you have that capital behind you. But from your view, from someone who's been in this for so long, what do you see? You know what happened to Service King, and what do you see their future looking like? You know, Service King grew out of, uh, uh, you know, it grew from a base of shop, excuse me, shops in Texas run by Eddie Lennox. And back in the day, Matt Ornstein and I uh, talked to Eddie about uh, possibly merging in with Caliber. And he kind of, he kind of thought we were a, a bit naive, I guess. Uh, and turned us down, but uh, he built a really great business, and then he sold it to some private equity investors. Right, as you recall, they bought the Sterling uh, group of shops, which was a lot of shops all over the country, which spread their management talent pretty thin. Um, in the meantime, they bought a lot of really good shops, and uh, they have this core in Texas that's really a, a, a great foundation for building a larger business. Uh, they're doing more than a billion dollars a year in sales, and 
Uh, we've gotten many calls from folks who are, if you will, trying to figure out what's going on there. I have no, uh, I have no deep insight right. into what they will do. Uh, it's hard to find opportunities for private equity firms to put a billion dollars of capital to work, but that's a possibility that a new private equity sponsor will come in. Uh, they may decide that they want to uh, uh, divide and conquer, sell off pieces of it. Uh, they may decide that they want to partner up with somebody else. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's really it's tough to be in that mode where everybody's looking at you with skeptical eyes, and you're trying to not just keep the wheels running, but also to you know craft a, a, a long term solution to what has been a challenging couple of years for them. Right. Um, you know, I think that they've got some great people there, and uh, uh, they haven't exactly rolled over and said, "Oh, we give up." Right. I think they're they're fixing lots of cars, and insurance companies are happy to give them those cars to fix. <laughs> That's very true. Well, I'll get you out of the out of here on this question. Um, now, for those of you listening, uh, David, uh, we hope to have him on every month as a special guest host. Uh, so this week we have been talking about uh, just consolidation in general, but we have so many more topics on the horizon. I think David and I are both very excited to share them, um, but one at a time. So we'll end uh, this uh, edition of Collision Cast um, with this question for you, David, for our listeners. For those body shop owners out there who are listening, who maybe are, like you said, MSOs or single shop owners or you know owners who maybe are still completely invested in their property and in their business, you know, what advice do you have to give to them, you know, in the middle of this, this big wave of consolidations? Well, um, the world changes quickly as we've seen. Yes. Just what we've seen with Russia and the Ukraine, just what we've seen with COVID, uh, just what we've seen with inflation. Uh, I don't think this industry is going to be easier to compete in and if you're looking to be to remain in the industry and compete then you have to keep that you have to keep constantly reinvesting and you really have to uh, 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 train and retain your technicians uh, if, if you're looking to exit I would say get your stuff together make sure you got everything on your books Make sure that you're compliant with all of your requirements to operate. Uh, and, you know, make a plan for the other side. We can talk more about this later because we have uh, some very excellent case studies where we can talk about uh, people with similar circumstances and how they prepared, and what they did, and what they accomplished by by doing that preparation, what they accomplished by using somebody like us to represent them as they went out to sell their businesses. At the same time, for the MSOs, uh, lots of stories about people who have really successfully navigated uh, from two shops to five shops to 10 shops, and we'll be happy to share those with you as well. 
Well, I'm looking forward to that discussion, and I know our readers are too. So, uh, David, I just want to thank you again for your time today. I just want to let you know that I truly appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy, so thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your schedule to talk with me today. Um, and I just also want to let our listeners know you can always find the new Collision Cast podcast every Tuesday on our social media pages. And that includes Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, and of course, our entire catalog of podcasts, which are constantly being updated. Um, you just need to go to fenderbender.com and click on the Collision Cast link. This has been Collision Cast. Again, I'm Steve Bauer, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye bye. 